in our, in our verse tonight, I just want to kind of break down uh, this verse uh, tonight. We, we find this word that we don't really use in our, in our normal vocabulary now. It, it, no one uh, says the word beseech anymore. Uh, children don't come to their parents and say, I, I, I beseech you, can I have $20, please? Uh, I don't go to churches and say, I, I beseech you that you would uh, support us as, as missionaries. We don't, we don't use that word beseech anymore. Uh, but uh, what Paul is literally saying is, is I'm begging you. And uh, I, I love the, the, how that is phrased because you would think that he, was, he would say, I'm commanding you. I'm, and by the way, if you want to summarize this verse, Romans 12, 1, you can summarize it uh, in, in three words. And you can summarize my message tonight in three words. It's simply live for God. Uh, and that's really what Paul is communicating uh, to, to the church uh, in, in Rome uh, in this, this chapter, in this verse uh, tonight. He's saying, uh, live for God. Um, and... Uh, we, we can we, we, we look at this 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 word uh, beseech, uh, and it, it, you would think that he's saying you know I'm commanding you to live for God, but that's not what he's saying. And, and I love every single word in the Bible because every single word is there on purpose, and every single word brings out different, very specific, uh, very specific nuances and what uh, God is trying to communicate. And I love uh, the choice of that word. He doesn't say I'm commanding you because God will never force you to live for Him. We have the choice. It's, it, it's, it's, our, it, it's our choice. We, we can look at what Jesus has done for us, and we can choose what we're going to do with that. And, and I love the message uh, this morning. Uh, Pastor talked a lot about the gospel, and, and I think tonight's going to kind of dovetail with part of his message from this morning. Uh, and we, uh, we have heard the gospel. I think probably everyone, if not uh, probably, probably everyone in this room has received the gospel. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice who, ha- who does not know for sure that you're going to heaven, I, I, I would love uh, for you to get that settled tonight and, and get saved and place your faith in Christ so that you can leave tonight knowing for sure that you are going to heaven when you die. And I think probably most of the people, if not everyone here, has received the gospel. But now it's our choice what we're going to do with the gospel after we have received it. And so Paul is not saying, I'm commanding you. You have to live for God. Because God gives us a choice. But he's coming alongside us, and he's begging us. And he's a kind of, uh, 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 you know, just a kind of, uh, thinking it through with us. And he's uh, con- just considering uh, the, the options here. He's kind of weighing the, the options here. And he's, and he's saying, uh, I beseech you, therefore, because of what I previ- previously said. And when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to go back to what it's referring to. It's a cause and effect uh, a word. And so uh, because of what I previously said, uh, I'm saying this now. So he's saying, uh, be, on behalf of the mercies of God, because of what I just explained, because of the love of Christ, because of the gospel, this is what I'm not commanding you to do, but I'm reasoning with you and begging you and asking you and pleading you, plea, pleading with you, please live for God. Present your body. Give yourself as an offering unto God, not just any uh, cheap offering, but uh, an offering that's acceptable unto God, that's, uh, that's, that's holy, and, that's, uh, and by the way, it is your reasonable service, and we'll look at that uh, later on tonight. And I love the book of Romans, because uh, as you've been studying over the last probably few weeks, maybe a couple months, uh, going through Romans, just finished Romans chapter 3 this morning, as, as I'm sure you've, you've noticed, Romans is a very rich doctrinal book. 
And, and, and Romans chapter 12 is a very significant, Romans chapter 12, verse number one, is a very significant verse in the, in the book of Romans. Because Romans chapters 1 through 11, Paul is laying out in very rich, very deep detail, he's laying out the, the foundations of the gospel. And, and Romans is, is maybe the most doctrinally rich book in the Bible. Maybe Hebrews you can make an argument for as well, but Romans is just so doctrinally rich and he, he takes so many verses and so many chapters to just really explain the gospel in detail. And as uh, we, we see in Romans, you know, one through, th- one through three, he's talking about how uh, we are all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God and there's none righteous, no, not one. And he talks about the fact that we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve the love of Christ. We don't deserve, as we'll get to soon, it says, but God commendeth his love towards us. He showed, he displayed his love uh, towards us in that while we were yet sinners, even though Romans 1 through 3, Romans 5, even though we uh, do not deserve the love of Christ, Christ died for us. He commended his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so that we can get to Romans chapter 10 where it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's just verse after verse after verse that talks about what Jesus has done for us. And he spends 11 chapters talking about the mercies of God and the gospel and what Jesus has done uh, for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, like it says in Romans chapters 1 through 3. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought us a land to the slaughter, as the sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. What is the gospel? The gospel is what pastor preached on this morning. The fact that uh, I can't go to heaven by my own works, by my own righteousness. Uh, as I explained to people uh, in, uh, in Nigeria, your righteousness cannot get you to heaven, but the righteousness of Christ uh, can get you to heaven because of what the price that Jesus paid for on the cross. He hath made him to be sin for us, and no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him because of the cross and because of the nails and because because of the crown of thorns and because of the blood that was shed and because of the sin that was placed upon Christ uh, on the cross, he has made a way for our, right, our, our, sinful, uh, our sins to be placed on him and his righteousness to be placed onto our account so that it's as if we had never sinned. It's as if we were always righteous and our sins are forgiven and we have the righteousness of God placed onto our account. And, Rome, and, and Paul is spending so many verses talking about the wonderful riches of the grace grace and the love and the mercy of Christ. And he spends 11 chapters talking about what Jesus has done for us. And then we come to chapter number 12. And there's a shift in the book. He goes from 11 chapters of doctrine. And now he gets practical. He's saying, this is what Jesus has done for us. Now, instead of teaching you, now here's some instruction. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is what I'm begging you to do for him. Jesus died for us. The least we can do is live for him. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And so really what I want to challenge you with tonight is the simple phrase, live for God. 
And I know that's just a very simple, very generic phrase. And, and I just want to be clear that living for God is going to look different for me than it is for you. Everyone in this room, we all have, we're all, uh, have, we have different ages. We have different uh, backgrounds. We all have different callings and careers and resources and, and gifts and, and things that God has, uh, ha- has positions that God has put us into. And we all have our roles in life. And by the way, uh, don't ever uh, look to a missionary and just kind of feel, that, feel guilty that, man, they're on the other side of the world winning the world to Christ. And, and I'm not called to be a missionary, so I'm not uh, doing, uh, my role in life is not as important as theirs. I just want to be clear that if you're in the will of God for your life, your job, your role is just as significant as mine. Don't ever feel guilty because God hasn't called you to Africa. We need to be willing to go if God would call us. We need to be willing to go to Thailand or, uh, or Ethiopia or Costa Rica or, or Mexico or Nigeria and, or Nigeria or uh, Nigeria. What's another country? Nigeria. Just, just throwing that out there. We need to be willing, but don't think that just because we are doing maybe the sacrificial work that your role is not as significant. I love how one missionary explained it. Just really made me think. He talked about, uh, he, he talked about World War II. And he said World War II was so significant because America went to war. It wasn't just the soldiers. But on the home front, people were very uh, involved in the war as well. They had their victory gardens. They were uh, just getting all the recycled metal and making, they made all these sacrifices for the soldiers. It wasn't just the soldiers. It was the whole country that went to war. Everybody was doing their part. And the people on the home front, their role was just as significant as the soldiers uh, with boots on the ground. Now, God has called us to be boots on the ground, and God may call one of you or two of you or ten of you to be boots on the ground, and we need to all be willing to do that. We need to be willing to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it because you died for me. You created me. Whatever you want with my life, I will do it because, Lord, you are worth it. But I just want you to know, if God calls you to stay in Honolulu, Hawaii, and be a witnessing serving, giving member of this church, your role is just as significant as mine. So living for God may look different for you than it may look for me. But there's some things I want to look at tonight in regards to what looking for God, what living for God uh, requires, what it, lo- what it looks like. Number one, we've got to realize that living for God is pricey. Living for God is pricey. Notice that, that phrase, he says, I, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present uh, your bodies a living, what's the next word? Sacrifice. You want to live for God? You're not going to do it without sacrifice. You want to live a life that's pleasing to God? It's going to come with a cost. Living for God has never come without a cost. And I love what, uh, what, what, what David said when he was uh, making an, an offering unto the Lord in 2 Samuel 24. Uh, 24, 24, he said, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. I don't want to go, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to heaven and stand before Jesus and look back at my life and realize I lived a life that didn't cost me anything. Jesus, his life and his death on the cross cost him everything. And what I do in response to that, I lived a comfortable life. I don't want to go to heaven knowing I lived a comfortable life. I want to go to heaven knowing I did something that cost me something. So I can go to heaven and give something back to him. I have something to offer to him. Living for God has never come 
without a cost. Un, un, uh, uh, unlike what the preachers in Nigeria will say, who, who say that you know, God wants you to live a life of prosperity. God doesn't want you to live uh, to be crippled. And if you are, then you've got some kind of curse on you. If you keep on giving, then God's going to perform a miracle. And God didn't perform a miracle. It's probably because you haven't given enough. And, given enough, and you've got these pastors uh, with pri- in Nigeria, in a third world country, pastors with private jets, pastors with, uh, with uh, G-wagons, or, you know, the, the, the Mercedes. I don't know if we call them that here. Uh, the, the Mercedes uh, box uh, SUVs. And uh, we have some with uh, Rolls Royces in Nigeria. God wants you to live a, a life of prosperity. That's not the Bible that I read. The last time I checked, Jesus said, if any man follow me, the Christian life is not a life of self-elevation. It's a life of self-denial. And whatever happened to, Lord, have my life, have my body, have my finances, have my future, have my plans, have my heart. Whatever happened to lock, stock, and barrel, Lord, I'm yours. You made me. You died for me. You saved me. I belong to you. Living for God may cost you popularity. It's not popular to share the gospel with people. It's not popular to believe what the Bible says in 2023. It's not popular to say no when you're invited to maybe places that you know you shouldn't go. It's not popular to be a Christian in America in 2023, living for God might cost you popularity, it might cost you possessions. God may say, you know, I'm not calling you to the mission field. I'm not calling you to go to Nigeria, but there is someone I have called to go, and I have a role for you, and that person has been called to go, but you've been called to give, so that person can start churches, and so uh, souls can be saved, and so the gospel can be spread, and so this church can maybe support more missionaries and invest in the lives in, uh, of more missionaries and, and mission fields, and uh, maybe God is saying, uh, you, you, you have uh, everything that, I have gi- that you have is something that I've given to you, and what you're giving to me is great, but I want a little bit more. It may cost us something by the way of possessions. It may cost us plans. 14 years ago, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was a student at, at UC Berkeley, and I remember I, I spent all of my high school years just, uh, I was religious about my grades. I took every AP class that my school had to offer. Uh, I, there, was no, there was no way I was going to get a B in any class. I didn't get a B in any class, and I graduated with 4.69 GPA from my high school, and, and just, I got a scholarship for UC Berkeley, and I went there, and I went there for a year, and I had plans for my life. I was going to do something. I was going to do something big with my life, and by the way, they, I, at that time, I thought, you know, if someone were to ask me about being a missionary, at that time in my life, I, I had to uh, ashamedly be honest and say that being a missionary, I'm, I'm trying to do something big with my life. I, I can't do something like that. By the way, let me just say that Living your life trying to share the gospel with the lost, no matter where you're at on the mission field or here in, uh, on, uh, in Hawaii or on the homeland or wherever you're at, there's nothing bigger you can do with your life than give it to God. But I had plans for my life. I remember the night when God said, no, I have, I have plans for your life. Um, and it was the scariest, but one of the most exciting nights of my life when God said, you're going this direction, but I want you to go this direction. And by the way, I don't regret it. If I were to go back 14 years ago and be faced with the same decision, I would make the same decision. And I just want to say that uh, it may cost you something to live for God, but Jesus is always, always worth it. And sometimes we want to get on this elevator with God. 
I think everyone in this room would say, I want God to be pleased with my life. I want God to be glorified with my life. But if, if we're honest, a lot of times we want to be on an elevator where we say, Lord, I want you to be glorified, but I want to be, I want to be up there with you too. I want some of the glory. I want, some of, uh, I want to live a, the kind of life that, that I want to live. I, I want you to be glorified, but I want some, uh, I, I want, uh, some self-elevation as well. But the Christian life is, like I said, not a life of self-elevation. It's not, a, a t- it's not an escalator. It's a, it's a teeter-totter. I love what John the Baptist said, my life verse, he must increase. And a lot of times we stop there. He must increase. Don't forget the second half of the verse. But, and it doesn't say and, there's not a semicolon there, that stronger conjunction but, as if to say this, the first phrase of the verse is not going to happen unless the second phrase happens. He must increase. And I love what John the Baptist said, it's not he should increase, he must. He must increase, but, as if to say in order for that to happen in my life, I must decrease. There's some things I'm going to have to give up. There's some, some things I'm going to have to let go of. But it's okay because Jesus is always worth it. Maybe God wants some more of your time. Maybe God wants you to serve more at the church. Maybe God wants you to witness more. Maybe God wants you to come out and do community outreach uh, more and maybe more faithfully. Or maybe God wants uh, more of your time in the mornings with him. Maybe God just wants, and maybe God is saying, you know, don't worry about serving me more uh, right now. Right now, I want more, uh, I want a stronger, uh, you to have a stronger walk with me. And then I want you to serve me more. I don't know what God may be dealing with, uh, with you and your heart. Maybe God is saying, I want more of your time. I want more of your commitment. I want you to be more of a witness. I want uh, more of your giving. I want uh, more of you. He said, present your body as a living sacrifice. And the thing about your body is, it, let's just say that this is the altar, or if you want to think about it here, let's just say this is maybe an offering plate, however you want to, uh, however you want to picture it. If I put my body here, what's included in this, what I have just put on the altar are my legs. So wherever I go, I just put my legs, the things that are going to take me places uh, uh, on the altar. Uh, in, uh, what's on my body is my wallet. Well, so when you put your body as a, on the altar as a living sacrifice, what you're saying is, Lord, everything that I am and everything that I have, I'm presenting it. I'm giving it to you as a sacrifice. Lord, I belong to you. And if you're going to live for God, it's going to cost you something. Living for God is pricey. And I'll be quick with my last two points. Living for God, number two, is perpetual. Living for God is perpetual. You may look at me and, and say, you're, you're a missionary. You've already surrendered your life to Christ. And, and I would say, yes, I remember there was a time when, you know, as a teenager, I went to teen camp, and I remember the, the moment when I surrendered my life to Christ and said, Lord, I want to uh, live with, uh, I want to live for you, and I want uh, my life to, to, please, to please you, and whatever you want to do uh, in my life, I, I surrender that to you. And I think a lot of us maybe would say, I, I remember that time when I made that decision that, you know, I've surrendered, Lord, my future belongs to you, but this isn't a one-time decision. Because if you look back at the verse, he says, uh, present your body as not just a sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. If you think about sacrifices in the Old Testament, uh, when you would bring a sacrifice and put it on the altar, it was dead already. You would kill the sacrifice before you put it on the altar. So it was going to stay there. 
But if it's a living sacrifice, we have to keep ourselves on the altar. And so this, even though I'm a missionary, this applies to me too. Yes, I made that decision years ago, but every single day I got to put myself back on the altar and say, Lord, today I want to please you. And by the way, just, just for, for, for clarity, for transparency, uh, I struggle with this. And, and, and some days I don't put my life on the altar. I'm a missionary, but there are some days when I don't have my devotions. I struggle with pride. I struggle with bad thoughts. I struggle uh, with, with frustration. I'm not perfect. And there are some days when I didn't put my body on the altar. But this is a perpetual thing that we all need uh, to do every day when you're on the altar. Because today, regardless of how I did yesterday, today I want to please you. We've got to keep ourselves on the altar. It's a perpetual, continuous decision. Living for God is perpetual. But notice, thirdly, living for God is precalculated. This is one of my favorite verse, one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. If you look at the last part of the phrase of the verse, which is your what's the next word? Reasonable service. And the way I like to look at this this part of the verse is God's already done the math for us. It's it's precalculated. We don't have to say, let's see, this is what Jesus has done for me. Hmm, what do I owe him? Maybe three, three years of my life, I think that would suffice. No, 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 no. There's nothing you could ever do that would, that would uh, be able to duplicate what Jesus has done for, for, for us. And, and I'm not saying that we need to pay him back as if we, we owe him some, some kind of a debt for our sins. No, he already took care of that. But because of what Jesus has done for us, the only proper response, and that, that word reasonable, uh, that, that Greek word logikos, where we get the word logical, it, it means it, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. It's, it's proper. The only proper or logical or sensical response to God's life given to us is our life given back to God. That's the least we can do. It's just reasonable. It's just, if you want to think about it, it's just normal. You might look at my wife and myself and think, man, you guys are radical Christians. You guys are living the rest of your life, or at least most of the rest of your life, you're planning on living in Africa. You left California, you left America, and, and now you're living in Africa and in a place where, uh, you know, you, there's no 911, and a place where you've got terrorist groups in the north, Boko Haram, and in a place where uh, you, you don't have family and, uh, and many American friends living there, and you're living in a place where, uh, you know, it, it's dangerous, and you got to deal with a lot of cultural differences, and driving is crazy, and people want your money, and people are corrupt, and they want to stop you and, and take advantage of you, and man, you guys are radical Christians since you're missionaries. What a radical example of wonderful, uh, you know, just kind of above the benchmark Christianity. And what the Bible says is, no, you, you got it wrong. Living your life for God, that's not radical. That's just normal. It's just reasonable. So don't look at me and think that I'm some super Christian because I'm not. Living for God and maybe doing something that maybe the world or maybe uh, an unspiritual Christian would look at it and say, man, that's just crazy. 
giving that much to missions, giving that much to, to your church, serving that much in your church, going out and, and, and making your, uh, a fool of yourself and, 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 and you know, doing outreach on, the sat, on Saturdays and, and getting up and doing that every week and, and, and just all the things you do for your church and, and maybe if God puts it on your heart to sell something and say, I'm going to give this to the church or I'm going to give this to missions or, or something like that. Man, that's a crazy decision. No, it's just normal. And I just want to challenge you just to be a normal, reasonable Christian. Because living for God is our reasonable, our logical service. The only proper response to Christ's life given to us is our life given back to him. I'll close with one verse. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. That word constrain means to compel, to move to action. Why are you a missionary? Why are you living in Africa? Because the love of Christ has moved me to Africa. The love of Christ has moved me to witness that person. The love of Christ has moved me to say, I'm going to let go of these things and live for Christ. Let the love of Christ motivate you and move you and compel you to maybe make a decision or live your life in a way that you wouldn't ordinarily live. Because by the way, it's just reasonable when we think of the mercies of God. And as Paul is begging us, I just want to come alongside you as well, and like Paul did, and, and say, you know, I've been moved. I've been compelled. I've been constrained by the love of Christ. And friends at Huacala Baptist Church, I cannot force you. Blake, I, I cannot grab your arm and say, come, come, come do outreach with me. Come to Africa with me. Come be a missionary with me. Uh, I, I don't have the authority to, to force him to do anything. But like Paul, I can come alongside and I can get on my knees and just say, look at what Jesus, look at the cross. Look at what Jesus has done for us. I beg of you, please. The only thing that's proper, that's reasonable, that's logical, I'm begging you, please live for God. I don't know how that may look for you, I know what it looks like for me, but I'm just begging you to do what's right in your life and give your life to God because, as I said, living for Christ is always, always worth it.